What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another edition of Football 24-7, the road to Glendale special, the Super Bowl special, man. Who would have thought, you guys? I'm your guy, Tone DeShields II. I'm joined by my main man, John McMullen, who does great work for Jacob Sports. If you guys want more from him, check him out on jacobsports.com. He does a lot of great writing on there and also on Sports Illustrated uh, with our guy, Eddie Kratz. But, John, man, it's been a long time coming. It's been about 18, 19, almost 20 weeks of football, and look where we are, the big dance, baby. Like, who would have thought? Yeah, who would have thought? Evidently, a lot of people now, but this team has been – it was clear about midway through the season how good this team was. And, you know, somebody asked me today you – know, they saw Nick Sirianni on Zoom yesterday, and – um <laughs> They said he looked relaxed and, and laid back. And, you know, it's a very young coach in a very big situation against one of the best coaches of all time. And they asked me why he was so laid back. And I said, I, I just think he knows he has the best team. He always knows he has the best team. So it, it brings uh, sort of a self-assuredness. And, uh, you know, I think it starts up front, offensive, defensive lines. That's what it's about. Everybody likes to talk about the skill position players. For the Eagles, offensive and defensive line, it starts there. Always has, by the way. <laughs> yeah, and I definitely want to get into that, right? The offensive and defensive line, the trench work, I always like to call it, the trench play. And, um, you know, you said pretty much halfway through the season, you know, we knew this team had potential to be special. But I want to know, uh, for you specifically, right, what was that moment? What was that game, that drive, uh, that play? Uh, what was that game where you felt to yourself, wow, I think this team may be able to pull something off? Um, you know, it's interesting. If you ask me about 2017, I can tell you clearly it was the Carolina game. I agree um, with you on that 100%. More than anything else. Um, with this, you know, with this team, they've been so consistently good. Um, I don't have that moment uh, where I said, um, it was, you know, 8-0, Houston maybe, where they played a bad football game. 
and it just became clear that they won. You know, they won. They didn't play well in Arizona. They won. They didn't play well in Indianapolis. They won. They just find ways to win games. So this team is more well-rounded than that 2017 team. Uh, deeper, uh, more talented. It's more of a all-encompassing. You know, they're 16 and one with the quarterback. I think everybody looks at 14 and three, which is good enough. But they're 14 and one in the regular season with the starting quarterback. 16 and one in the playoffs. In the one game they lost, they beat themselves. You know, with the four turnovers against Washington, all the penalties, dumb mistakes, uncharacteristic. Uh, uncharacteristic mistakes. They're tough to deal with. It's been more of a more of a all encompassing feeling than 2017. You know, <clears throat> you said something really interesting. The fact that they stayed, they played a bad game and still won the football game, right? And I have to ask, like, is that are those the signs of a good team? What what exactly are the signs that you look for? in the team to sort of indicate how good they are, right? I know you mentioned consistency. I know you mentioned playing yet playing a bad game and still winning the football game. But, um, you know, for the viewers, right, and for you know for you, for someone who's covered this game for, you know, well over 20 years, you've seen a lot of different teams. You've seen good teams. You've seen bad teams. What are the key indicators? What are the key signs of a team being good or a legitimate Super Bowl contender? Well, there are levels, you know, um, you know, 11 and 5, now we play 17 games. You know, that that's a good team. They might get hot at the right time. They may make a run. But when you see the teams that are really good, um, you know, who, who lose one or two games during the season, yeah, it's about the consistency. So when everybody says, you know, so-and-so plays nobody, you know, everybody's a nobody when you turn them into a nobody. And when you just win football games, you stack them up. It's one of the comical things to me. You know, almost every team in this league has those weeks where they look great and then they look like garbage the next week. Um, And the Eagles keep winning games, keep stacking wins during the regular season. Their hiccup had to do with Gardner Minshew uh, playing quarterback late in the season. they didn't have a hiccup, unless you want to call the one game against Washington. The consistency through throughout the season. And, yeah, winning games, you don't always have your A game. It's like a, I always compare it to starting pitchers. Roger Clemens the best example of this. You don't always have your best stuff, but there's certain guys who grind through, and they're going to get you. Not, not anymore. Baseball doesn't do it the same way, but back for older school baseball fans when starting pitching mattered, you know, he was going to get you seven innings no matter what and put you in a position to win the game. Um, That grinding through the bad times, that's when you know you're watching a really good team. And this is the best team I've ever covered. Um, That's high praise, John. You've covered this game for a long time. Yeah, I covered – the 98 Vikings were the best team I ever covered. They were 15 and one and they lost in the NFC championship game. I would say, you know, but it's hard to win Super Bowls. Um, 
you know, that team was a lot better than most Super Bowl winners. Didn't get it done. You know, the ironic thing is all the Patriots championships. The best Patriots team didn't win. The best Patriots team was the 16-0 and team. And they lost in the Super Bowl to a, to a Giants team that got hot at the right time. They played a great game. Their defensive front, you have the hokey catches, the and they win a football game. They steal a football game. It's hard. And and people have made the comparisons between 2017 and 2022. Jody talked about it on Birds 365. This team's better than that team. They won't be recognized as better unless they finish it off. If they lose, that 2017 team will remain, you know, in lore as, as better as the best team in the Eagles history in the Super Bowl era, but this team's better. This team's better. Doesn't mean they're going to win. They're playing a good team, best quarterback in football. He can beat anybody if he gets hot on a particular day, but this is the best team in the Super Bowl era for the Eagles. Wow. Now, like you mentioned, you can't have your A game every single day. You hope that you have your A game on the days that you need your A game, preferably the Super Bowl, right? But I have to ask you, I look at the Chiefs team, I look at the Eagles team, and I think, and I look at how both teams are built, you know, from the inside out. And you mentioned the trenches, There's right? A common denominator line. there, by the way. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So, you know, I guess the, the question I'm trying to get to is the fact that, yeah, the Eagles have had games where they haven't brought their A game and they still won. And this is a a top-tier opponent. It doesn't get any top-tier than Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. But you think about how both teams are built, respectively. Is it possible for the Philadelphia Eagles to win this Super Bowl and not play their A game against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah, if they don't bring their A game. I mean, you know, if Kansas City plays well, uh, you're going to need that A game. Uh, But if Kansas City doesn't bring their A game, yeah, of course. Um, You know, Kansas City's very top-heavy. You know, Patrick Mahomes, as I said, best quarterback in football, most, you know, most dynamic quarterback in football, but he's got a high ankle sprain. He's not 100%. Uh, Chris Jones, tremendous player, um, maybe the best defensive lineman in football this year. But I'm through predicting, you know, I'm, I, you know, I saw Jeffrey Simmons coming in here during the regular season. This offensive line dealt with him. Dexter Lawrence, after watching him beat up the Vikings in the playoffs, came in here, didn't even know he was on the field. Um, Nick Bosa is going to be the defensive player of the year. Did nothing um, against this offensive line. You know, it's this offensive line is the best. I talked about the Eagles. This this is the best offensive line since the Cowboys in the early nineties and in all Larry, of football. Entire yes, all of football. Larry Allen, Eric Williams, wow, Nate Newton, Mark Stepnowski, Mark Two and A. That was the Cowboys' offensive line. 
This is the best offensive line I've ever seen since that offensive line. So what is it that you're seeing from this offensive line that separates them <laughs> from most offensive lines in the NFL and in NFL history? To say well, Kansas the City, Kansas City might have the second best offensive line again. In football right now. Yeah. Common denominator is Andy Reid because he understands that's where you build and that's what he brought to this organization. Um, well, they have two Hall of Fame players. And they have three Pro Bowl level players on top of it. Every single player is is a Pro Bowl level player. Um, you don't see that. Um, even that Dallas offensive line, you had the weak link, which would be two and a. Um, he was a good player. Um, the weak link here is supposed to be Isaac Samalu. That's a hell of a weak link. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and and actually, Jordan, Jordan Mailata was the worst of them during the regular season because he was hurt. He was playing through that shoulder injury, and he wasn't himself. And he admitted he wasn't playing. Now, all of a sudden, he's healthier, and he's been the best in, in the postseason. He's been the best of the group. So, um they're just getting better and better and better. Now Lane's not himself, but <laughs> hasn't affected him himself. And I will say caution, you know, I know Eagles fans are feeling themselves right now. And they say stuff like like Nick Bosa, look what look what Nick Bosa does and Hassan Reddick wrecked the game and he deserves to be defensive player of the year. Nick Bosa was going against Lane Johnson. Hassan Reddick was going against Mike McGlinchey. Remember that. Yeah, yeah. I definitely see I definitely see where you're coming from with that, right? The, the, the level of competition is definitely stark. Um, I'm glad you actually brought up Hassan Reddick because that's where, that's where I want to go next. I want to think about, you know, the Eagles D-line versus this Chiefs offensive line. And, you know, we got to start with Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick has been, as you mentioned, uh, a gang wrecker, right? And he's he he caught fire, especially after the Indomitian Sue and Livall Joseph signings. It kind of allowed him to just, you know, go crazy out there. And I think also Jonathan Gannon realized I need to let this guy <clears throat> loose a little bit more. Um, but I'm curious to know, you know, your evaluation, your thoughts on Hassan Reddick and his impact on his team. And, you know, is he arguably one of the best free agent additions that this Eagles team has ever had, maybe in this century? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's been tremendous. Um, you know, 19 and a half sacks in 19 games. This this team hasn't had a finisher like Hassan Reddick in a really long time. And his motor um, seems amazing. I know you mentioned, sorry to cut you off, but you mentioned how he's just been really intentional about taking care of his body during yeah, this run. Yeah, yeah. He's really um, laser focused in on, on finishing this off the right way. Hassan's usually a guy who talks to us every week, um, very approachable, willing to help you out in any way. And during the playoffs, man, he just shut down. He's like, he's not around. When Zero the, dark 30. When the, when the locker room's open and he said, he talks after games and he said, I'm just, I'm just trying to focus in keep my body right. Um, you know, get over the hump. He knows, the sense of urgency, how difficult it is to get to this point. And the assumption, 
you know, the assumption you're going to be back and it's not that big of a deal, that's a bad assumption. Um, you know, I always go back to Dan Marino in his second year, best quarterback in football, thrown for 5,000 yards, going nuts, gets the Super Bowl, loses it. And he even said it himself. He thought, well, I'll be back. Never got back. And that's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. It is it is really, really hard uh, to get to this level. And when you get there, you better take advantage of it. You mentioned that sense of that sense of urgency that Hassan Reddick is approaching this playoff run with, right? And it makes me think about, you know, the way this team is built, a, a pretty good balance of uh, savvy veterans, uh, young talent. And Hassan Reddick is, he's, he's, I wouldn't call Hassan Reddick an older guy. He's in his mid-20s, but... I don't know. He, he, he like, like you said, he, he's approaching this with a, a level of urgency that's necessary and he's laser focused. Speak on how important it is to have guys like Hassan Reddick, especially when you have a young roster like this. And most of the roster hasn't even been here before, but the way Hassan is approaching it, you would think he's been here before. And he knows what it takes. So, you know, can, you know, can you just speak on, I guess, the value of having that type of veteran presence, that veteran leadership, even if you have the young veteran in a, in a Hassan Reddick, like speak on the value of that. Yeah, I mean, it's more of the Kelsey's and Lanes and Fletcher Cox's Brandon Graham, but you know, from Hassan's standpoint, yeah, I mean, he's 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 28, I think, you know, but he's been through so many things in his career. You know, for those who don't, he was a walk on at Temple, yeah, um, and you know, he had some issues and and got thrown off the team at some point, and then he got brought back and. That's why I had to be a walk-on. Always had tremendous uh, talent, um, and they made him into a sort of a rusher. But he's undersized, so obviously the NFL saw his talent um, because he was the 13th pick in the draft. The same year the Eagles picked 14th, and they went with uh, Derek Barnett. Uh, would have been interesting. Um, I don't think they would have taken him. There's a, been a lot of revisionist history. We know the Eagles and most teams looked at Hassan Reddick and said, well, he's got to be an off-ball linebacker. He's got to be an off-ball line. He's too small. Um, and that's what Arizona took him as, an off-ball linebacker. And he's not an off-ball linebacker. Um, and it's funny how things things change quickly because they said the same thing about Micah Parsons. Um, you know, he's six foot two. His arms aren't long enough. Um, he's got to be an off-ball linebacker. And most teams scouted Micah Parsons as an off-ball linebacker. And Jody will tell you, I've said, this guy's, this guy's a stinking pass rusher. Um, same thing with Hassan Reddick, but the league didn't catch up to it. There are certain guys, Aaron Donald, the same way as a defensive lineman. The reason he fell to the, you know, out of the top 10, he weighed 280 pounds. And they're like, how's he going to hold up um, on the interior of the defensive line? There are certain guys who are just so athletic. It doesn't matter. And Hassan's in that category. Now, when the Eagles signed him, I admit I was a little bit concerned. Um, What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? 
Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. He's 6'1". You know, he doesn't have the long arms. Like Josh Sweat is an edge rusher in the NFL's mind. So picture that body. 6'5". Long arms. Yeah. Long arms. Looks like a praying mantis and he's very good. That's what they think edge rushers are. So you have Reddick and Parsons and they're like all ball linebacker. They, they can't play edge rusher in the NFL. Um, but that's beginning to change because of guys like Hassan. And he's so athletic and he's so quick and he's so relentless and he just, you know, beats people with the speed. Now I was concerned that somebody might show up and say, you know what, this guy's kicking our, you know what, I'm going to put a 330 pound tackle and just block him, you know, knock his ass off the line of scrimmage. Nobody's done it. Why? I don't know. The tool bag is that deep, huh? <laughs> I don't know what it is, to be honest. I'm surprised nobody has tried it. I'm surprised. Maybe they don't have the patience. Maybe they're behind by two touchdowns. I'm very surprised we've gotten to the point we have and somebody, because it's not just Hassan, it's also Kaiser White at the second level, um, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson at the third level. I'm very, very surprised, but yeah, you mentioned prior to the season beginning, you had some mild concerns about yeah. uh, CJ, GJ transitioning from that slot to that safety position. You you had your you had your concerns, right? Yeah, from uh from and you've seen it at times. He's not the best tackler in the world. Oh yeah, we've seen he's, that. <laughs> he's back, you know, from a run support standpoint, but nobody he tries cares. hard. I said he tries hard. He tries. Nobody cares about the run except when it's time to care about the run. Except when it's time to care about the run. So I want to dig a little deeper in it, you know, into the trenches, because I think that's where this game is going to be won and lost, right? It's going to be won by the team that obviously makes the least amount of mistakes, but I think it's going to be won and lost in the trenches. Um, I just think uh, on both sides, the Eagles just outmatch the Chiefs. Um, you got guys like Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, and Dominic Sue. I just think they just have too many guys. They have too many horses in the stable for this uh, Chiefs offensive <clears throat> on. Um, so where do you think the Eagles um, can exploit uh, the Chiefs' uh, offensive line? Is it the center to guard? Is it their right tackle, left tackle? Uh, not the interior. Andrew Wiley is really the weak point. Um, um, you know, they have they have a very good offensive line. What position is Andrew Wiley? Is he left tackle? Yeah. Okay. Um, Creed Humphrey going to upset Eagles fans. Uh-oh. He, he, he's the best center in football. He's better than Kelsey. Is it because of age or he's just better? It's just, I mean, it's like they're both great, but he's he's the best center in football. Now, what's now? How do you how do you make that determination, right? Because you know, I just out of curiosity, because I'm, I'm pretty sure people will hear you say that and they say, "Well, Jason Kelsey's this multi-time All Pro. He hasn't shown that he can get beat yet. He dealt with Dexter Lawrence. He's dealt with, um, you know, guys like Jonathan Allen. Um, he's 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 dealt with the best of them, right?" How how can someone say he is better than Jason Kelsey? Well, Creed's only been around for two seasons, and he's okay. made 
uh, two Pro Bowls, and he's been an All-Pro already. Fair enough. Um, so, I mean, you know, he's kind of hit the ground running. Um, and again, it's Andy Reid, the philosophy. I don't know. Let me. I'm, I'm going to look up PFF and what they have. I have no idea, but I guarantee you, both are in the top five. Um, uh, I'm going to look at centers real quick while I'm talking. Well, you're fine. But, yeah. <clears throat> uh, you know he's really good, and not and and people say, and there it is, Creed Humphrey number one. Jason Kelsey, number two. Wow. <laughs> Ethan, uh, Ethan Pochick from Cleveland, number three. Connor Williams. Frank Ragnow is also really good. What's the uh, differential in um, – well, how well, how are they grading the, of the, the centers for one? And, and what's the differential between one and two, uh, Creed Humphrey and – uh, Not not much. 91 overall grade to 90, which is Kelsey. Oh, wow. So they're very they're – That's very any given close. Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they have uh, – Kelsey is a slightly better – uh, pass blocker uh, Creed is a slightly better run blocker. You can't met you. You can't go wrong with either, right? Uh, and, and part of it is youth, in my estimation, because Creed's twenty three and Jason's thirty five. So Creed's going to be Creed's been there for two years. He's been a Pro Bowler for two years. He's gonna. You so know, you can make an argument. Even, you can make argument. He has a higher ceiling. Yeah, he didn't. He he didn't even. You know, with all due respect to Jason, Jason's going to the Hall of Fame. Hopefully, you know, Creed's on his way, but he's only played two years. I, I'll say this: through two years, Jason Kelsey wasn't Creed Humphrey. In other words, he started um, at a much higher level. Um, now, Jason's probably a smarter player. Um, he has but to be small. You know, he he's really good. So, I mean, when you talk about the best players on the Chiefs and everybody, everybody knows about Mahomes and Kelsey and Chris Jones. Um, and then, you know, they're very top heavy. He's in that group. Like, he's in that group. He's, he's, he's one of the best players. He's one of the best offensive linemen in football. Um, and they also have a great interior line as a whole. Joe Thune, who people might remember from the Patriots, he's very good. Trey Smith is their other guard. He's very good. Uh, Orlando Brown is one of their tackles. He's like a four-time Pro Bowl player. So, you know, if the, the Eagles have the best offensive line, you might go uh, Cleveland. Detroit's really good now. Um, Kansas City. They're in the conversation for, for having the the second best offensive line. You would in, say Kansas City's NFL. offensive line is better than San Fran's? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. San, San Fran has Trent. Trent Williams is an all-world player. Yeah. Um, did you, if you saw Darius Slay's tweet today, it was hilarious. Uh, somebody put a clip of Trent Williams um, – pulling and bearing down on poor Slay and Slay got the hell out of the way. He said he was afraid for his life. Um but there's a big drop off. You know, they have okay players. Kansas right. City has four really good offensive linemen. So 
you know, since we're you know, since we're on the offensive line, right? This Eagles offensive line is not just one of the best, but one of the more dynamic because of the way they have to execute this RPO with Jalen Hurts' um style of play. And I noticed in that San Fran game, you saw Jalen Hurts with that RPO. Sure, he didn't have his most stellar game, but what he brought to the table, just the threat of him moving with that offensive line. He froze linebackers. He froze guys like Fred Warner. You know, he turned he, he turned a Fred Warner, a guy who probably ran, I don't know, a 4-4, 4-5-40. He turned him into a guy that maybe ran a 4-8, 4-9. He just slowed those guys down just enough to create running lanes for running backs and for himself, right? You know, um, how do you see this RPO um run-based offense? Um, how do you how do you anticipate this RPO to take advantage of that Chiefs defense that's ranked um 16th, I believe, overall? Yeah, I mean, the Chiefs defense isn't that good. Um, you know, other than Chris Jones, Chris Jones is phenomenal. Um, he's one of the best players in football. Um, and he can move up and down, but he doesn't have a lot of help. Um, all the rest of, of the chiefs defensive linemen are kind of, uh, okay. There's some happy Kalen Saunders is all right. Uh, you know, George Karloftis is a rookie that plays a lot. He he kind of struggled at times. Carlos Dunlop is one of their edge rushers. He's he's okay. Frank Clark can rush the passer, but um, he's not good in the run game. Um, so, I mean, as long as you deal with Chris Jones, you should be fine. The linebackers are okay. Nick Bolton's a pretty good player. Um Willie Gay Jr., um, that's going to be a big storyline because he and A.J. Brown went to uh, high school together. Um, he's a pretty good player. Uh, but their their defense, other than Chris Jones, isn't going to scare you that much. Okay, so um, as we begin to close the show, uh, John, you know, I got to ask you, you know, we're two we're two playoff games deep for the Philadelphia Eagles. They're in the Super Bowl. They they crushed the Giants. Um, the score says they crushed the San Francisco 49ers. And throughout both of those games, you know, Jalen Hurts hasn't necessarily have to over, he hasn't really had to overextend himself. Um, we obviously know the Giants game happened the way it happened. Um, that San Fran game, you kind of saw the passing game kind of neutralized to a degree. Well, not to a degree, it was it was essentially neutralized for the most part. And he kind of struggled to get that ball down the field. Now, do you have any updates or have you heard anything in regards to that shoulder and any sort of limitations that he may have had in that game? Um, did they try to, you know, once they realized the game was kind of in hand, did they try to reel him in? Um, you know, just what have you been hearing about Jalen Hurts' health in terms of that shoulder? And, um, you know, will that passing game um, still be a problem uh, to, uh, going into the Super Bowl? Well, I don't take anything out of that San Francisco game. I really don't. I said it from the start. It was, you know, the game was over by halftime. Um, so, you know, both sides of the spectrum. I know people look at the running um, the running game, and you were talking about Fred Warner. Fred actually was playing. They were having difficulties with Fred, um, you know, early in the game, and that was part of the problem. Um, and then, you know, the 49ers started getting frustrated and obviously they couldn't do things um, offensively very well. And the second half was extended garbage time. So it kind of throw out um, 
any statistic from that game, to be honest. The game was over. It was not relevant. Um, but I, I've said it from the start. Jalen Hurts is not going to be 100% until after the season. Um, I've heard that from numerous doctors. You've heard it from him. He's not right. He's not, he's not going to be right. Um, but I don't look at his numbers, whatever it was, 120 yards passing. They were running the football to get the hell out of there. The game was over. They just want to get out with the win and get to the Super Bowl as healthy as possible. Um, and they did. And, you know, 68 to 14, what do people want? <laughs> I, I I talked about the path, you know, and Minnesota and Dallas are probably kicking themselves and, you know, to lose to two teams they should have beat. But guess what? If either of those two teams would have came here, they would have lost as well. It might have been a little bit more difficult. It probably would have been. But then we talk about, we go back to our first discussion. They didn't take care of business. They should have won, but they didn't. And the Eagles played a team that, you know, they, they, they played 100 times. They beat them 99. And that's the New York Giants, and they beat them thirty-eight to seven. And you know, at least we can stop the Brock Purdy nonsense. That would have been tougher. I mean, obviously, if he didn't get hurt, but they were going to win that game. I had already gotten a feeling by play six before Hassan Reddick, uh, before we knew Brock Purdy was hurt, and and Hassan came busting through there. Remember, that's a play action. So I know Kyle Shanahan's gotten killed because I've heard it 17 times on my show about Tyler Croft blocking uh, Hassan Reddick. Well, you, people do that all the time. I saw Chris Carter blocking Reggie White once back in the day. No. People, do, people do that all the time because you're trying to fool the defense. It's incumbent on the quarterback to understand, hey, this is play action. All that guy is supposed to do is chip the edge rusher. You're supposed to know as you're rolling, all right, Hassan Reddick's coming. And a veteran quarterback, some of these veteran quarterbacks who've been in Kyle's system or the Shanahan system or the Gary Kubiak system, um, they understand. All right, he's coming. So this is play action. We might get him. All you're doing Slow is, him down. Yeah. That's what you're trying to get a tick, and you're trying to draw the linebackers in and bang, hit the play action. And you spoke on that. You spoke yeah. that eventually that inexperience of Brock Purdy will rear its ugly head. You spoke on that all, all season. Yeah, and he didn't even know Hassan was coming. And I'm like, oof. I mean, that's got to be in your mind that, all right, this is play action. My My tight end is trying to chip the edge rusher. I know he's coming from this side, and he had no stinking idea. When he you saw no that play developing, idea. when you saw that play developing, you saw Hassan Reddick just had a beat on him. What was going through your mind as that thing was happening in slow motion? Like, what, like, what were you thinking to yourself? My thought was, he does not know Hassan Reddick is coming. <laughs> and I don't know how that's possible, because he's coming from the front side, and he and he should know the 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 design of the play, 
Now, one of the things, you know, it's frustrating for offensive linemen is so-and-so gave up a sack. So-and-so quarterback is responsible for part of pass protection. In other words, you know, there's a timing to every play. You have to understand there's got to be an internal clock. You hear people talk about it. Football's got to come out. One of one of the things that it doesn't matter, but people, so many people said, how do you have a tight end blocking an edge rusher? Watch any Shanahan Kubiak offense. You'll see it a million times a season. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to pull the 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 defense for just a, a small tick. And it's the quarterback's responsibility to get the football out. Hey, listen, man. I hope Hassan Reddick continues uh, that game wrecking mentality that he that he that he's been playing the game with uh, into the Super Bowl. This is going to be really exciting. I think this is going to be one of the uh, more fun Super Bowls that we've seen uh, in quite a while. You know, both these teams are at the top of their game. Both of these teams are at the top of their conferences. Number one seed versus number one seed. And you know, I'm super ecstatic about it. Um, Andy Reid. Um, versus his former team. There's so many narratives. Kelsey versus Kelsey. There's so many narratives. Nick Sirianni against his former team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There, you know, there, there's just so many narratives, um, you know, that we can't even count them all, you know, a, a part of this game. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people, a lot of players, a lot of coaches are going to enter this game, you know, with something to prove. So uh, yeah. it's going to be Nick really met his wife in Kansas City. Get out. Know. Seriously. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Man, on that note, you guys, you're locked in on – Football 24-7 with John McMullen. Again, if you guys want more content from not just Jacob Sports, the channel, the YouTube channel, but also uh, from John McMullen, check us out on jacobsports.com. There you'll find a bunch of articles from John McMullen, Joe Centiliquido, uh, Paul Domowicz with his stat package. Jacob Sports has you covered from top to bottom, left to right, side to side, inside and out. Whatever you need, we got it. And whatever you want, we sure can provide it, you guys. So make sure you guys are locked in on uh, Jacob Sports. And, you know, make sure you guys are also locked in on a lot of the content that's to come, a lot of uh, a lot of shows to come uh, featuring Mike Missinelli, uh, you know, Devin Caney, Seth Joyner, uh, Derek Gunn. We have a lot of content in the work for you guys, and it works for you guys. Lock in on Burries 365, uh, Sports Take, the National Football Show, uh, Good Morning NFC East with Jeff Kerr and myself. Uh, we're having a lot of fun uh, during the Super Bowl run. And, man, uh, like John always says, these these runs don't come along often. They don't come along often at all. you got to take advantage. So you guys have been locked in on Football 24-7 with John McMullen. I'm your guy, Tone just a second. Take care, you guys. We'll see you next time. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.